0: If you broke the connection, you can always repair the connection. So like that's actually the most important thing you can do because we're all going to fuck up.
1: Hi, and welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to sex-positive parenting. I'm one of your hosts, Robin, and I'm here with the ever-bold and beautiful
2: Sarah. Hello. Uh, Do you have any fuck yas this week? Well, I think since we're talking parenting, Mm -hmm. maybe it's like a little bit of a pat on the back mixed with being really happy for Ruby, my daughter, Mm -hmm. because... I wasn't really introduced to, you know, sports and things that really helped me to build confidence. Mm. And Ruby is, she's in gymnastics camp and she's in aquatics camp. And, but mostly I think that I had some... Blocks around gendered sport Mm -hmm. like gymnastics, ballet, things like that. And those have been the things that she's predominantly been really drawn to. And I have to tell you, after having seen her now for a year in gymnastics, the amount of confidence that she has in her body And the strength that she's building is just, I'm like, wow, these skills are going to really serve her. And I'm so happy that she's having that experience of recognizing, I mean, she's a little tourist. Mm -hmm. She likes to chill at home and watch TV, right? But she also now has this knowledge and enthusiasm for moving her body and like learning these new things that her body can do. And it is so cool to watch.
1: Amazing.
2: And I'm also just proud of myself for getting over my own fucking blocks around it. And like assuming that it's just kind of like a mean girl sport because I am seeing what value it has for her. Yes. And so I'm so glad that my stuff didn't get in the way.
1: Because it's so important. It's like we don't we're. I think coming from a gener- generation where, you know, we were pushed into certain activities because of the genitalia we were born with. <laughs> and we really don't want to do that to our children. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we don't stop them from doing it if that's what they choose.
2: Yeah, you have to honor what they are drawn to and interested in. And it's it's nice to see her stick to something, too, because there's just there's so much value in uh, you know, she's learning that she's not always going to be great at something at the get-go. Yes. I didn't learn that when I was a kid. Yeah. I was generally pretty smart. I did really well in school. It sort of came naturally. Right. I don't have a ton of those experiences from childhood where I really had to put a lot of effort into something and grow skills over time. And it's just really cool to watch her gone through that. Good job, Sarah.
1: Thanks. Good job, Ruby. <laughs> Well, I'm really excited to talk with Kristen. She's an amazing, successful business person. Really an industry leader in the adult toy industry.
2: Yep. And she's been doing sex ed for... But it feels like it's been backburnered a little bit for her. Right. And this experience of becoming a parent is now... like She's just developed all of these... uh, Like a whole new toolbox. Yeah. From... You know, Trauma informed parenting mm-hmm. training, becoming a certified sexuality educator. I'm really excited to see how all these things crystallize and take form as her career continues to grow and yes. change. Yes.
1: I am ready to learn because um, I. Uh, you know it's like so many things with parenting I thought like well I'll just kind of like intuitively do what I'm supposed you know mm-hmm. and I it'll, it'll be natural and everything and as a sex positive person and pleasure educator having kids I have always just thought like oh it'll be I'll just you know it'll tell, just come naturally I'll, I'll, yeah you'll ask a question I'll yeah. answer it and it's, it's way harder of course not that simple yeah or easy to do so I am I'm ready for it let's get into it
2: yeah I'm excited for her perspective <laughs>
1: Kristen, it's so great to have you here.
0: So much fun to be here, especially, you know,
2: away from the kids, adult time. Right? (laughs) This
1: is like old times. I feel like it's a reunion. I know.
2: When would have been the last time that the three of us sat in a space together?
1: Well, no, I think it was uh, your birthday probably, Sarah. Oh, okay. We were together then. It wasn't that long It wasn't that bad. We
2: hung out socially. But we used to do this, like, a lot. Yeah. On the have, company dime. On yes, the company have meetings, <laughs> have really great conversations. I was, in
1: particular, Kristen would always be like, "All right, we're having a big meeting, so we're going to the bar. We're gonna bar. Go have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was fun. We've had meetings in hot tubs." Yes, it's true. I miss those oh, days. We can still mean hot tub. Yeah, the yeah. Next,
0: the next one of these we can do in a hot tub. Yes, oh, special please. edition.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Christian, are you ready for some rapid fire? Yes, to warm you up. I hope I am. All right. Um, what was the last podcast you listened to?
0: The last podcast I listened to. Oh, um, it's kind of silly. I love it in please. a weird way because not very me, but uh, one extraordinary marriage, which is a really great marriage podcast, but it's really Christian.
1: Oh, oh, yeah! But I really like the way
0: they break down. Um, it's like twenty minutes or thirty minutes. It's always on a particular subject about connection and obviously keeping your sex life alive. They do it from a very Christian, um, you know, background. But I find it, even though I'm not Christian, I find it really rewarding.
1: Oh, that's oh, so nice. interesting. What is uh, what does the Christian perspective give to? Because if they're still, are they sex positive and yeah. everything? Or
0: super progressive Christians, I guess. Um, you know, and uh. I started listening to it because my partner is Christian and I've always been Um, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like organized religion is not my thing. Uh, But um, I really always appreciate her connection to spirituality. Right. And um, and I think that the way that she was raised and her connection with our family is just really nice to see. And I think, you know, religion has played a big role in that. So I thought, huh, I should listen to like this Christian sex podcast on relationships just because maybe there'll be some insightful things for my own relationship. And they're really just big on that layer, like sex life. They start to decline, and how they kind of brought it back, and how they keep connection and handle, you know, having kids, and what, what we all do. handle handle life. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: You know, we all should be doing that though, of listening to different perspectives, yes. because I think that the humanity that connects us all is getting lost. Yeah. Right now, in a lot of the like how we're fed content, the content that we seek out, you know, the different areas of the country that we live in and perhaps don't visit other places. So I love that. Yeah, that's really great. And
1: I also feel like it's a great way to really see your partner because it's my initial yeah. reaction is I'm just like <laughs> you know, and um but that's part of your partner's life that is so important to them and even if it's not something fundamental to your life, it's so great to see their point of view from that that yeah, way yeah definitely
0: I think that also there is just something like you were saying Sarah I think we all get in these bubbles um especially if you're a queer person you you tend to bubble yourself even mm-hmm. more bubble wrap yeah. yourself I should <laughs> say <laughs> and um and I find that it's really limiting at the end of the day I find that there uh, I get really inspired by the things that are on the outside things that I don't necessarily connect to in my daily life and because then I'm just like listening to whatever the choir is preaching you know preaching to the choir is what they say mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. I actually avoid like the I guess the podcasts that are a lot like me, I really avoid them.
1: That's so great. I love this bubble wrap term. I'm Uh gonna really start spreading that. I love that in the way that you're like kind of protecting yourself with the bubble. But then you also kind of separate yourself with the bubble. And all the little bubbles you create,
0: I think, for, you know, um, different places in your life, like now that I'm starting to get into like school life with my kid, that kind of stuff, like, oh, I got to create a new bubble for this one. Right. Because Mm -hmm. this will be a whole new thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So
1: interesting. All right. What is the last picture on your phone? Okay. The only one I can remember
0: right now is me taking a picture of my son's butt because he had, (laughs) you know, um uh foot, hand and mouth disease and he had little oh. blisters on his butt. So I took oh. him to send there. So I think that might be my my last hand, one. foot and butt disease. Yeah. Mouth, but you know, it goes to the butt you know.
1: too. <laughs> Yeah,
2: but what is hand, foot and mouth?
1: Oh, your kid hasn't had it yet? Oh. No. Oh, Mine it? did a long time ago and I don't actually remember what it is. It's rashy or what? Yeah, it's like blisters
0: on the bottom of your feet and hand right. and in your mouth. Um oh. it kind of presents as like maybe strep throat, but then all of a sudden we saw like That's right. They yeah. have sores in their mouth it's highly contagious. Oh. Um, so I was like, you know, when I found out what it was the day before, I remember he was laughing. He's home from school and he was, he laughed or something at me and he sprayed my face. Yes. I was like, ah, thinking it was strep throat. Right. The next day, when I found out it was this highly contagious disease, I You're seriously right. was just like,
1: did you get it? No, I didn't oh, get it. Wow, but yes. I also
0: am on a very uh, strict regimen of, of like mushrooms and um, like pretty strong herbal.
2: You know, immunity to... boosting. Yes, yeah, so I think it's working. And stuff. Okay, Not psilocybin.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, but you I need that too. mushrooms?
2: my physical health.
0: <laughs> Who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, I think my first celebrity crush was Prince. June. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you win. Yeah, you win. All right, which prince? Prince from like eight, like Prince, Purple Rain, Prince. Like oh. I had a poster in my room, and I think I never knew if he was a boy or a girl, and yes. I didn't think I ever yeah. wanted to know, which really explains a lot of things yes. like in my life. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I love yes. it. So I'm so, so obsessed it. with Purple first Rain, crush. and just how he played with femininity. I always yes. liked when I dated guys. I always liked my guys feminine. And I liked my women masculine, so That's he was true. perfect for that.
1: Gender fuckery is attractive. Yeah. yeah. What was your first mode of masturbation? Oh, water. <laughs> yeah, that waters. was just an accidental find. And, How know, old were you? I don't remember the age.
0: It was young enough that I wanted to play like slip and slide in the bathtub. So I'm assuming, I don't know, six, seven. It was just so instant because cause water pressure is so yes. uh, quick to give you an orgasm. But I don't think I knew what it was, you know, so... I wanted to share it with all my friends. So if i be come over. Oh, so you
2: you were that kid, I was a of person. Of like, yeah. So what we're going
0: to do is we're going to like put soap on the back of the bathtub. It had a little bit of a slant. And you're going to slide down. And then when you slide down, it'll feel really good. And that's just, and so they slide down and then the water would hit, you know.
1: Wait, so the, the water's that. coming out of the Yeah, so like the, the bathtub, faucet,
0: And then there's like this, like the back where you would normally lean back and relax. Uh-huh. the bathtub. But if you slide, you kind of slide and your butt kind of goes first. And it always like bounces to the end of where the water's coming so it was like a play into a oh. water. Like, I mean, if they made bathtubs big enough now, that could be a really fun, like, <laughs> kinky activity. Like, yes. slip and slide for adults or
1: something. Oh, my God. But, uh, there's nothing like that. that this is know. my favorite question. It always is surprising. I, I thought, I mean, I didn't start masturbating until I was a teenager. And I thought most people did that. But so far, most people we've interviewed started as children. Yeah. as uh, prepubescent. And I just, I—it's so fascinating. And then it really makes you know—it's going to lead into our conversation. What the heck are our kids doing that are all elementary school age? Is Javi in in elementary uh, He will be
0: starting this year. He's yeah. So we are starting kindergarten, uh, you know, a year late.
2: Nice segue. Robin. <laughs> I am so. Curious. I think you have a great sense of humor about parenting. <laughs> and uh I think you have to because man, it is it is one roller coaster. Yeah. But I'm so curious what ideas you had about parenting, or like what kind mm. of parent you would be, or what it would be like before you actually became a parent that now make you laugh.
0: Oh man. I think the thing that is the, I don't know, the biggest surprise for me is that you can't actually train yourself for it. I was thinking yeah. about this a lot. I was like, you know, maybe it's, it's close to being like a sex worker. Like you can never be trained to go have sex with people. And right. you don't know. Like you have to just do it and then figure it out. And you have to deal with a lot of emotions and what comes up for you and um, having to give yourself in that way and i just was like that feels like maybe the closest profession to what it feels like to be a parent maybe where you're like i i went through so much training. or like an
2: improv comedian or something <laughs> yeah
0: i mean i went through a lot of training um classes and stuff for foster care and continue to do trainings and continue to take parenting classes and i realized how like i wasn't really equipped and what i thought i was and i wasn't right and I think that that's the thing that maybe people tell you, like, you never really know until you're a parent. So true. But, but even that statement didn't really settle with me.
1: The idea of, like, oh, parenting's the hardest job. And I'm like, sure it is. Yeah. And then now I'm like, no, for real. Yeah. It's yeah. so hard because it goes, it's every capacity of your life it gets, it gets into. And it's just nonstop. You know, it's like I thought I was going to have, like, a kind of intuitive way of, like, flowing with my kids and all this stuff. And it's no, no. It doesn't work that way. And it's just nonstop. Like I used to think like, oh, you just have to have firm boundaries. And now I realize it's not just that they test your boundaries once or twice or even 20 times. It's that you're you find out what your boundaries are because they push and push and push and then they'll come up and then they'll stop pushing in that particular way and they'll find
2: a new way. Get in on you. Constantly evolving and changing. I mean, and that's the thing that, uh, actually like is a lifeline for me sometimes of like, this is not going to, uh, this is going to change whatever this phase is. And when it's a great phase, it's so sad when it changes, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, sometimes I have to go, okay, right. This is a moment in time for her and it is not going to stay like this. It will change. Yes. We'll yeah. grow out of it. Yeah. It's amazing how but I didn't realize that it wasn't going to be more linear.
1: Yeah. The phases come suddenly. And they go back to something old and you're like, yeah. wait, I thought we were done with that. Yeah, yeah and You're yeah. like, oh, my God. Seriously? Yeah. Keep um, you on your toes.
0: Yeah. I think there's also something around, like, for me, at least, I had been, you know, again, talking about the little bubble I was in. I was, like, really in, like, a queer bubble, usually Only uh, a lot of cis men weren't around me. Like, I realized I don't know many cis men in Mm -hmm, my life, mm -hmm. which was fine by me. You know, like, Mm -hmm. my dad was fine. You know, (laughs) I have him. And I'm like, I have a brother-in-law that may or may not want to see very often. But whatever. I had a couple. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was, like, kind of on this mega, like, dude diet. Like, I didn't have any dudes around me. And then now, it's like, I have a child. And like have a little dude. I have a little dude. You have a dude. He's in your house. Yeah. And he's going to get bigger. And there's going to be even more dude energy. And maybe you'll even have dude. And I don't even know, but it just felt like, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I, I just completely believe that the universe brings you what you need. <laughs> and I was surprised that this is what the universe thought I needed. The me over and over again. And I also think that like, I don't want to put him in a box. Like he might evolve into like not being, uh, in this like very kind of masculine energy. Maybe he'll evolve into something else, you know, like he has changed so much in the like uh, three years that we've had him. So, um. It's hard to say, you know what will happen. I'm not gonna like put them in that you know category, but for me now it does feel a little bit like um you know like sensitive because you know there's just not a lot of uh conversations happening around like what does masculinity look like? what does it look like in, in child form? People get so triggered by like masculinity and are especially queer people, mm-hmm. so you know, I have a lot of like tension around like, oh, will my community think this or that, and at the end of the day I don't, Who fucking cares? What people think about your child, my my job is with them. He will learn his, like, he'll be put in his place at some point. It's like somebody doesn't like something from him. The community and the um, world's job, it's not my job to like protect him from that or try to make him into something.
2: I would love any stories that you have that you feel like are kind of emblematic of like what your son's relationship and like how he's developing a relationship with his body because it's so foreign to me whenever I hear the stories about the boys. Oh <laughs> yeah, he's always like,
0: like butt, you know, butthole. Like he's just obsessed with, with butts, you know, Yeah, which is funny and, and hilarious. And he's very, you know, like lighthearted in a lot of ways. He doesn't hold on to things. It's not emotional conversations, you know, so there's like an ease with that that I, that I do enjoy. and. And he's like rough and tumble, so that's also something I kind of enjoy. I Take him out for a hike; I don't have to worry about him, you know. Yeah, he's I just want to come adventure. on, sure, yeah, like he's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so. An example of um, something that's weird that just happened recently is that he likes to make, you know. Um, Cutouts of bodies and then like build bodies, like that like, here's a body shape, and they'll put things
2: on top of it. Hmm. So
0: he did like activity.
1: clothes or tentacles.
0: Usually, usually penises and balls. Okay, or okay. Our butts. okay. Like, he's and really he obsessed. found
2: this activity on his own. Yeah. Oh, oh, so amazing. is he
1: drawing it or he's finding the pictures? He's
0: drawing it and then cutting it and then layering like the body. So he made this like scarecrow at elementary school, or not elementary? Sorry, um, preschool, preschool, and he like cut out like a penis and put it on there. And they kind of shamed him for it. One mm. parent was like,
1: huh, oh, like, yeah. what's
0: going on mm-hmm. here? And then we had a talking to you by his teacher oh, boy. that like mm-hmm. that's not appropriate. And I was like, oh. I was like, in our family it is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Our family body parts are fine to talk about. Will you not let him drop elbows and noses too? Really ridiculous was he, you know, if he was a teenager, well he's doing it for a laugh or something that's different. But he is a child who's exploring right. his body. Right. And yeah. that's part of his body. And so when he says, I'm gonna make a body, he's gonna put that part on his body. Right. You know? And yeah. why would I? I I got really frustrated. I said, Look, and I sat down with Javi and I said, Your school has a as a boundary and a rule that they don't want this. In our house, you can do it. Mm-hmm. We we yeah, believe that's a it's great okay way to handle it. In other places, they don't. And since it's their house and their rules, we mm-hmm. have to follow
1: that. Yeah.
0: But you in no way should feel bad about that and you know, and it's just so, you know, he has an Audi that maybe the little girls in his school don't. And so maybe they're not drawing things in the
2: way that a boy would,
0: because it's just like dangling around all the time. It's just like part of like
2: their yeah. being. So And I way. definitely think the Audi versus any like dichotomy of the genitals creates a really different relationship that you have with them. And I think a yeah. lot of people have shame around their vulvas because there isn't this like as overt of a, you know, relationship that they have with it. And that, I mean, I whatever, that could go really deep, but um, I'm going to jump around a little bit because I know we had uh, a different direction we were going to go in our questions. But that really brings up for me this idea of like kind of fear based parenting mm-hmm. that we all do around sexuality and bodies, because that's a lot of what's been modeled for us. For me, as like a sex positive educator, I have fear kind of in the opposite direction that me sharing with Ruby like Mm -hmm. these are the actual names of your genitals, like because I do vulva paper cuts. You all know this; Mm -hmm. I have them all around my house. She'll sometimes just be like, "Mama, you really like vulvas." Yeah. Like, oh, if only you knew. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, she's just very comfortable with the concept of genitals. And it's never been shamed of like, you know, she will touch herself sometimes in the bath and it's very clearly like self-soothing. And so like we're starting to have conversations around like, okay, that's a thing that you're going to do in the privacy of your room or in your own space. Like you have to have boundaries around it. But she's developing a certain level of comfort Mm -hmm. with genitals and her body. And I have this fear of like, she's going to go and start talking about my mama loves vulvas or, you know, like, and then also as like the lesbian parent that that's going to like cause other parents to be real side eye or even concerned about what kinds of conversations we're having in our house because most people are so closeted around it. So like I have compassion for that fear based strategy of like, just don't talk about it because we don't know how to. But also, like, there is this experience that I have as a parent where I'm, my fear is that she is going to get, you know, perhaps ostracized or that it's going to cause issues with other families because of our comfort around bodies and bodily autonomy and all these kinds of things. So, like, yeah,
0: or parents um, creating a trauma for her because she's going to hear, like, you know, the fact that,
2: like you
0: know, uh, in my child's school, like that there was a communication that another parent had a reaction. Like that's something right. he's, he's he observing absorbed. and he's absorbing yep. it. Yeah. And, and so I think, yeah, it, it is a, it is a concern. And I think for me being a sex educator, I feel way more at home teaching, I don't know, 50 people about anal sex than I do <laughs> talking to my child about basic sex stuff. Because I think the thing that we need to really consider is, um, as with any parenting things that come up for you is like when I did trauma training, they said wherever a child is um, triggering for you at whatever age and stage that is most likely where you have trauma. Huh. And so you had to really explore that. Be curious, like what has happened for you at that time? And, um, you know, maybe like tr- whining trigger you. So you need to like really explore like, well, what's happening Was your parents, like really, oh. there's something going on in your life at that time and really explore that. So that's so me,
1: interesting. It's yeah. like, Oh, that's really telling. <laughs>
0: I mean, actually, you know, for me, like, I think in general, it's depending if I'm well, if I'm sleeping or not and what my stress level is at work. But if I'm not getting good sleep and I'm having a lot of stress at work, I'm triggered just by general children. Like 100%. annoyed. A hundred percent.
2: Yeah. That's interesting to think of it as like a barometer too, though, of like, oh, are things like balanced right now for you if you're being reactionary to your kid?
0: Yeah. Or just like, you know, for me, I thought about that. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, hey, you know, my mom was a working mom, single mom. She didn't have a lot of time. You could not be inconvenienced. Right. I could not. I could not yes. be inconvenienced. I was never the child yeah. inconvenience by yes. my parents. Likewise. So I, think I expect that from my ch- child. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yes. Hard. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like that's a different era, obviously. You know, like the the eighties and stuff. Yeah. Like, Latchkey. Yeah. Huh. But I do think that you know exploring um, things that are triggering to you, um, the fear. I think the question is like, how to kind of overcome fear. I don't think you can. And I read something um, recently that really stuck with me, which is that uh you know you're constantly wondering oh fuck my child I'm gonna be a bad parent what's an you know and they say it drives a lot who said this but I loved it so just really I go back to it It Says if you are like you are a good parent if you're questioning whether or not you're a good parent yeah if you're not Mm -hmm. questioning it and you think you got everything down yeah then you might (laughs) you know because like if you just are like no everything's great and I have seen parents and I have like reflected on this and I know a couple of people in my life who I'm like Oh yeah, you don't. You don't try to educate yourself on this. You don't. You just complain about the kids and you hate being a parent. You don't like care. Not that they don't care about their kids. They, they, but they don't, do, like, but yeah. Care in the way they don't question whether they're a good parent. I think that that kind of like fear that comes up for us is is normal and healthy because it allows us to. Um, when somebody's fearful, the best thing you can do is educate yourself. And so if you're it's fearful, it's like information yeah.
2: that's coming up for you. Like, why is this causing fear? Why don't you feel confident to be the yeah. like? guide to your child in this particular area. Uh, One thing, I took a sexuality and parenting class recently called Beyond the Birds and the Bees with Pam Samuelson. And um, one thing that she shared that I thought was really helpful is that most of the lessons that we impart to our kids are actually through modeling
1: Mm. more
2: so than what we say Uh, to them. And that was... It's simple. Like I was like, oh, that I should have thought of that. But it's so true, right? Like, if you are the stressed out single mom, which I super relate to, and that was how I was raised too, and so it's hard for me that my kid does not have that same instinct to kind of be quiet and just like handle it on her own. But it's like that stress modeling even is like a thing that then teaches her a lesson about kind of how to exist in the world. And if you have fear around a topic, like you don't have to know the right answer. You can say, oh, you know what? That's a really great question. Let's discover it together. And then you get to be the guide to your kid, gaining the information along with them. And you haven't lost your like stance as their guide. Yeah. You know?
0: And my child has foreskin. So it's also, I tell myself, don't don't let your face make a make a face you know I mean yeah. especially when we first mm. um got him because he was two and a half and you know we went from zero children and very luxurious lifestyle to like toddler and <laughs> yes that was that's huge Much harder than I thought it was going to be and then there was just the like you know having to educate my partner on who was never really around children I had been around my nieces and nephews educating my partner about like it's normal if you pull his skin back to clean and mm-hmm. he gets an erection this is normal mm-hmm. don't make a reaction because then he's gonna internalize it mm-hmm. but of course there is that feeling of like i am pulling cooler skin I'm on this person's body you know? yeah like it feels like it feels weird but why why yeah. does it feel weird does it feel weird when i clean his ears no so it's something that like i continue to be curious about like what was happening for me i think again being raised in the 80s my mom was looking back for the 80s, sex positive, but I would say by no means in this era, sex right, positive. Right, right. So there's just the things that, you know, to deal with and to know that, like, yeah, educate yourself on, um, you know, if something is is scary to you, you know, or like, uh, I think my child, we're we're getting him diagnosed but has like sensory processing mm-hmm. stuff going mm-hmm. on and so that can feel overwhelming and scary and the best thing that I can do is take a class on it, read a book on it. Oh, I have the tools, I have community who's talking about it. I have, you know, things of that nature. But I do think um, fear is always going to be there. And it's what you do with the fear is important. It's like, yeah. don't hide in a corner. And like, be like, okay, I'm just going to be fearful and I'm going to avoid it because right now we're creating the foundation. If we can't talk to our kids about sex in their bodies, then they're not going to come to us when they're older, when they need something. They'll go to YouTube or worse. their friends. Right. They'll do whatever. Right. Yeah.
2: I know, I, but you bring up a really great point around this idea of community. I, and for me, that was the p- parenting during the pandemic felt so Isolating. isolating. And then it was one of our parent friends who sent me the new york times um like mm-hmm. the parents who were calling in and just describing their and just listening to that, I was like, "Oh, we're all alone, but in this together, and like that's a that is a piece that I think sometimes gets lost is you think that you're supposed to just have the answers or you're supposed to like yeah. know how to do it and it, it without community, it's a lot
1: harder and I can't believe how simple that answer is because i For this particular issue of them touching each other, I never even looked it up online. Mm. And now I'm like, why? Especially as like the kind of person that's like, I think of myself as so sex forward and sex positive that I didn't even think to look up that other people are having this issue because of course it must be happening in so many people's homes with, you know, siblings. And I'm like, why didn't I just look it up? I've like anecdotally talked to people about it but it made people who don't have children not even with somebody that has two kids yeah that's also another layer so i'm like damn like that's that's like these layers that we have to unravel of our own um prejudiced upbringings towards sexuality
0: yeah and i think i'll i keep going back to this i think i should just like i don't have any tattoos but i feel like i i were to get tattoos i'd probably put this on my body just like stay Mm -hmm. curious don't hold attachment to it or don't put I don't know, meaning to something. And we just continue to look at and and um, be curious about it. And I think, you know, as we get older and as we're busy with lives, like the idea to give ourselves, and I'm now trying to look at it as as self-care. Yes. Because I don't have a self-care practice. And mm. people say it, I'm like, oh, fuck off. Like, yeah. I don't even know what that means. Right. Because I never was, <laughs> nothing, nobody demonstrated self-care practices me. Of course. Me. So, like, when I try to, like, have self-care, I'm like, is this it's it? it? Is, am I doing it right? I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> I really feel like my self-care is just allowing myself to be curious without judgment, you know? Right. I love that, and I think with um, children, it is you know. I think that I was really I like to say privileged in the way that we had a whole team working with us for foster to adopt, and so like we have a therapist that we meet with weekly. Like we have yeah. somebody we can talk to. Yeah, um, we have like the is this normal? Those kind of questions that come up. Is this child behavior? Is this trauma behavior? Is right. this, uh, you know what? All those things. Um, so I can't imagine delivering a child and being all alone in this world, with I, mean, I really think every parent needs the government should supply some like wraparound services for every parent yes. to have successful families in our, our culture. Because I don't, I mean, and I'm lucky. I have a mom who's a nurse and really into children, and I had a lot of people I could ask and talk to about things. And
1: even that wasn't enough, you know. Yeah, and it's so difficult in that we don't have those resources. How much better would our culture be with that yeah. that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. I was wondering what. Like it so particularly with with having boys, I feel like I thought I was gonna be further along with um having told them about sex by now or or just like the fundamental basics of it, because they're six and eight now. But I have not, I mean, I answer their questions when it comes up, honestly, to their level. But we have not gotten into that one that you can enter another b- person's body. Mm-hmm. Um and because they are so dicks and butts right now, yeah. they're really into balls getting hit. That's like oh, their that's thing.
2: <laughs> they, call it,
1: they, there's, they call it the tenders. Oh, my tenders. Oh, that's a They learned thing, that from Kung, Kung Fu Panda. So um, <laughs> it's just like, it's so much of that. And I'm, I'm like, you guys aren't mature enough to know about it yet. Because I feel like it just will be like a joke in a way that will not be cool. You know, so I'm like, I don't know when like, do we just all decide when we feel like our kids are ready? I guess I have a question. Are you like, do you feel
0: that way because you're fearful that how what other people might think if they do something or you just think that it's not in their best interest if you remove society around them?
1: Hmm. You know, it might be a society fear because there are certain things that they do know about, like um, like Mars won't leave me alone. So he knows about periods, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, what is happening to you? And I'm like, it's cool. Don't worry. And so he knows about all these things. He's gotten infections in his foreskin before. He's very sensitive. And and I'm like, hey, I get those infections, too. And he always relates it. He's like, well, you know, people with vulvas, they get the same thing that I get. And it's normal and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm cute. like, that's right. So he actually has handled that with maturity. They don't get weird about vulvas. It's all it's all. Penis falls and butts, yeah. farts. Luca just learned how to fart on command and oh, it's ruining boy. my life. <laughs> I'm like, no. That's so great. But it's great so, that, that like, there's humor, you know? Yeah. And maybe because maybe I should, I'm just, I don't know. When should I bring it up or do we wait for them yeah, to is want it to know? you
2: wait for it organically to come up? I, I
1: and mean, I personally
0: subscribe to like talking about it from the beginning and I realized that I was behind all of a sudden i think it was pandemic we were in our little, little level mm-hmm. so we were not so we're not really like forced with it and you know i also don't know how i haven't completely found my script yet for um how to describe like if he starts asking asking about his biological parents
1: mm-hmm. um
0: he's aware of it and i bring it up but he's just like oh cool just like walks away so i'm mm-hmm. like i usually leave a sentence or two or I, like if he got really obsessed with his doctor who was pregnant and so she had a big belly and then he really was like, I want when I get older, I'm gonna have a baby inside of me. I'm like, mm. I'm oh, sorry. I can't easily. do that. Yeah. And he was like, What do you mean? And like, you don't have the parts for it. Um, you actually can't grow a baby. And he like freaked out. He cried. Oh, he just oh, talked, yeah.
1: But I wanna have a baby. I'm oh. like, you can have a baby, you
0: just can't. You can't birth one. Yeah. You know? And he was really upset about that. But um but then I realized I was like shit you know am i doing the parent the am i practicing the things i would preach and so i actually got a book recently um i actually brought it with me oh just because uh Ooh, what makes a yeah baby. we gave this
2: to ruby yeah and i loved cory silverberg it's, so good yeah it's
0: super inclusive a book yeah. for every kind of family and every kind of kid that's actually not true though <laughs> uh-huh. so you know i um it's funny because i just actually bookmarked the page because they're and I got this book and I read through it and I was like, oh, I love the way they're describing how, what, what sex is. Mm-hmm. Or not sex necessarily, but how, how do you make a baby yeah. Yeah. without saying like, man, people get together and a penis goes inside it. Like not that, you know, yeah. but there was two There's a page here that really is hard for me. And um, we're mm-hmm. still figuring out how to answer it. So two questions are who helped bring together the sperm and egg that made you and who was happy that it was you who grew? And that maybe not his experience, you know, that like mm. it wasn't planned. It, you know, he has uh, some trauma in his um, life, and these questions weren't really appropriate for our family. Wow. in that way, because it, I pretty much have to rewrite the history in some way to make him to make it inclusive for our family. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm like, okay, this just shows me that n- nothing is perfect
1: i i don't mean to interrupt i was mm-hmm. just saying like i feel like you should write this author yeah. i feel like they would love to know that yes 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 Maybe i a actually revision to the book being, yeah you know, I, of being Glory like i love everything I think about this they but be
2: very open to that feedback yeah yeah,
1: yeah. And, and
0: you know it's funny because i think i've come up with like the the story which is not true but it was true that like my partner and i did want to have a child we knew we were mm. going to do it so maybe energetically it was us who were excited mm. but was not ne- necessarily like part of the natural story of things no yeah. yeah and um so I feel a little like conflicted because especially for kids who are adopted through some kind of traumatic situation yeah mm-hmm. and this could be you know it, so many different kinds of kids it doesn't have to be like a foster care situation it could be a lot of other kids um or just Think of how many, especially now with what's happening with abortions, yes. think of how many people are being going to be forced to have a baby. Right. How's that question going to feel to them? Right. You know? Right. Because it's not always, and I would say, you know, maybe the majority of people are happy, but I think sometimes when people find out they're pregnant, they're not super happy at first. They did not think about it like and that. It,
1: it's kind right? of a love washing in a yeah. way where it's mm-hmm. like we want all of these children and we love them so much, but we want their them to have come out of a love situation and sex is not always used for love mm-hmm. you know and it's yeah. not or you may have been upset when you learned and now you love your
2: child and everything but it can be a super hard situation how conception happens oh my gosh i mean this i love where we're branching out right now because i have just like so many thoughts spinning through my head one being like informed practitioners like i go i went through uh i had a donor who was known, went through at home insemination and gave birth at a hospital. And so I had as part of that process and you went through this similar process, you went through education around birthing Mm -hmm. and also like early baby newborn care. And it was so heteronormative Mm -hmm. And there was a single mom in the class as well with her mother. And then there was us who were a lesbian couple. And it just was it was kind of outrageous to me, like Mm -hmm. the way that information was shared and how gendered it was in terms of what the participation of both parents was going to be. It was insulting. And so there's like a lot of catch up Mm -hmm. to be doing, I feel like, in terms of information around this. But the other thing that came up for me, and like, I really appreciate that you challenged me around this book because we waited, I think, what I felt like was too long to tell Ruby about her birth story. And um, we were so prepared. Like, we like had all the books. This was one of them. And she loved this book because at the time she was really nerdy around. I mean, I don't know what educational program she was watching, but she really liked the idea of DNA and genes. Mm. And so her donor is known and is in her life, and she has a very close relationship with our donor's child, but they were five and seven before we told them that, you know, our donor was biologically her father, Mm -hmm. but we didn't use the term father, obviously. And so like we, all the adults had all these conversations and we're in separated re- marriages as well. So it was complicated, like getting the adults on the same page. Yeah, is hard. Boy. But we were prepared for all of this relationship centered conversation to be happening where she was going to be like, is he my dad? You know, and so we had all these conversations. We had the books ready. And then it was what makes a baby that really resonated with her. And she was like, well, I have one question how did his sperm get inside your body? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just very technical. And so, like, I broke it down for her. I explained how it happened. You know, he came over to the yeah. house. He put his sperm in a cup. We took the cup. We put the sperm inside our my body. And, you know, like, I made sure to do all the right things in terms of, like, lifting up my legs so it could travel to my cervix. And from my cervix, it made it into, you know, my and um she was like cool (laughs) and that was all she wanted to know but for us the narrative still worked because we were very much choosing this insemination process and you know like i guess when i like reflect back on my own kind of creation story I've had a hard time with it, too, where I feel like, you know, my mom was very young. Like, I don't really know the level of intentionality that kind of went into the uh, creation of me. And I sometimes am mad about it. Well, maybe that's also going back to, like, why it may
0: take you so long to introduce these this story to Ruby. Is, mm-hmm. You know, like, you probably have been dealing with your own trauma around that. And I just, every time I see things that I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done that a little different. I could have seen me doing it, you know, if I would have edited this or done that like give myself a lot of like love because yeah you know it's it's all of our trauma that we're dealing with and i think that that's why they say you know you no matter what everybody's going to mess up their kid it's because we're going through i mean cuz we're human and we're also yeah. just going through i think parenting people say oh how is it being a parent would you do it again and i'm like the self um realization and growth uh is mm, so mm-hmm, intense like mm-hmm. i don't know if there's any other thing like it in the world that you can yeah. get to I would I would never have explored the things that I'm exploring now with what happened absolutely. in my life absolutely it, oh.
1: little...
2: yeah yeah I'm fine it's fine, it's, fine. It's, it's, fine. It's, fine. it's cool yeah. yeah no I 1000% agree with you that like I sometimes I think also just being divorced have a little bit of that like shame and self-judgment around like I could have maybe done this better I could have been more prepared I didn't realize all this stuff that was going to come up for me. And like, nobody can actually prepare for this. Never. And the the thing is, is you just show up for it anyways. And that is the being a quote unquote good. What, I mean, I, I'm putting air quotes. because sort of <laughs> like there is, not, I don't think that that concept serves us very well in parenthood. But like the thing that presents, you show up for it, you're present for it. And that's what the job is. I'm, like,
1: reeling from self-realizations in my head right yeah. now about my own birth story mm. that I have experienced. Like, part of it was my mom was like, oh, your brother seemed lonely. We wanted someone for him to play with. Uh-huh. And that's why we had you.
2: <clears throat> and like, Great,
1: I and think- in a feminist context, I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> oh, you're here for this little male to play with. Because yeah. he was lonely. Yeah. So it's like that kind of just in relationship to other people. That's why you exist. But then also there was so much about my mom giving birth at home by herself. I mean, there was other people there, no midwife though, no doctor wow. or anything. And both of, I was like 10 pounds. My brother was 12 pounds. That was her first birth at home. And she always talked about it as this like revelatory, wonderful, life-changing experience and how wonderful and she can't wait for me to go through it. And then my experience was, I was expect. I really was pushing for that natural birth because of that. And it was such a, Mm. like, like, I don't even know how to talk to Luke. I haven't talked to him about his birth story because it was the most traumatic experience of my life. And, um, you know, I don't like, I I don't, he was like recently, mom, what was the worst day of your life? Oh God. (laughs) And I was like, uh, the day your grandma died, that's the second worst day of my life. Right. You know, and I cannot, I don't know how to talk to him about how horrible And it harmed him as well, you know, but it was directly affected by the stories that I heard about this heroic woman that can somehow squeeze him out with and have it be. She was like, I wish I could have done it again as soon as it was over. That's what my mom literally told me while I was growing up. Are like a
2: whole other area to dive into at some point, because this idea of like, you know, Wonder Woman mm-hmm. behavior and that somehow your birth is better if they come out of your fucking back yeah canal canals I wish bullshit. I would have gotten that epidural.
1: The planned C-section yeah. was the the birth that I had wanted. It was mm. amazing.
0: Yeah, my sister felt the same way all four of our Like, I don't know why anybody does any other way. You
1: know? It's amazing. I think it
0: depends on bodies, yes. you know, and being yeah. prepared for anything. And I think it goes back to you know, can we fully prepare to be a parent? No. Can we prepare? I mean, that's like hilarious when you think about that. Like we can't control life. We don't know what our bodies are going to do. If there's mm. going to be a pandemic, if there's going to be whatever, we can't yeah. control it. All we can do is like, you know, prep certain things, have our scripts, talk to people, have a therapist. You know, um, you know, preparation to me is about like saving for a rainy day. Sure, we can do that, mm-hmm. but we never know what kind of rain is going to be. So mm-hmm. why don't we just like not have attachment to that? And I think There is so many scripts out there that people that was right for them, like with your mom having Mm -hmm. you like, and that was magical. And I don't know how many women are like, I want to birth right
2: away again. That's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I I would Mm -hmm. definitely not trade my birthing story. And I realize now, like the one thing I want to call out is that Kristen was my birthing partner in (laughs) addition to my ex-wife. It was like really magical. And the nurses just kept coming in and being like, ah, the lesbians are fun. (laughs) <laughs> they're fine they're fine
1: meanwhile I'm I, I, in yeah, the I other was, room I, think I had more trauma rather than you did yes,
2: yes yes no there were some traumatic moments for sure but it was also like just a really I I was so bought into that like I want to give a vaginal natural birth with no no meds at all and I accomplished that and uh you know I probably would do it different second time around but I loved going through that experience mm-hmm. and like having you there was so amazing and now i'm also just thinking about like i want you to write the book that Mm -hmm. is like what makes a baby but from this more kind of like energetic and like really expansive uh perspective of like every birth story is a valid one and it doesn't have to be like a whole family of people who are like catching you with these big open Mm -hmm. arms you know that there is like a universal love too and like an energetic love that you can tap into even if your birth is not doesn't have you know
1: we keep talking about the shadow
2: side on the podcast and Mm. that's like the
1: shadow side of it that it's important also and we need to validate the the kids that go through that yeah Mm -hmm. and I
0: think we'd be surprised probably if we because I think a lot of parents lie you know like how I was saying I kind of Well, I straight up lied. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I lied a little bit too when I got to those questions in the book. And I read the book ahead of time and talked to my partner about it. And we both said like how we might explain it, but the question's a little tricky. And so, you know, I mean, was it a lie? It was a stretching of the truth, but how many kids are lied to about their birthing story because everybody wants to have the perfect love affair and you were born from Mm -hmm. love and all that. And I think, you know, uh, obviously there's a lot of books and and, um, studies now that talk about how, um, trauma isn't necessarily the event; it's how our body perceives it. So, if we're like, if if a child went through trauma during delivery, and then we don't address it in some way, <laughs> how, I mean, there's always room to address it. I don't think you should be like, "fuck," I <laughs> not that like, how do no, we, but like, for work real, it, you know. And I think yeah. that that's something I know I will be on a you know, definitely looking for not answers, but like how I will describe it. And I already feel a little bit behind because my child's going to be like six. I'm like, oh, I better get on this. You know, yeah. that
2: radical honesty Mm -hmm. is like you at least get to own your story Mm -hmm. and understand the ways in which we are all shaped by kind of what life throws at us. I mean, you might also believe that in a certain way, we might choose these paths and these life lessons on some kind of, you know, energetic level. But like to give someone the honor of like, this is your story. And I trust that you can own your own story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is really like a kind of a powerful thing to do with your kids.
0: I think, yeah, not trying to like, put a judgment with the wrong word, but not trying to spin the story. you think this <laughs> is the story. Like you maybe, uh, Robin, you could tell. Like you know,
1: losing tell my mind little, right now.
0: But then you can tell your child, like, you know, my body, my body, I was like the worst day because I was fearful yeah. about this, you know? And I think that um, I have shame that that was a bad day for me. You know, I mean, maybe it's just like, you know, do kids understand shame and stuff? I don't know. But if the, the story is being told over and over and over again, then I think it just becomes part of them. And it's not about like, you know, maybe he felt maybe later in life, he feels like, oh, this is where I get tension around fear around this thing. And maybe this is rude. I mean, we're going to learn so much in the next 20 years. Oh, absolutely. Oh,
2: my God. Well, and like, you know, I have a lot of shame around my divorce and it is something that causes my daughter pain and Mm -hmm. that she would talk. There was a period of time where she really talked about it a lot. And it was like, "Fuck, this is so hard. And like, you know i don't feel like this was modeled for me very well of just like in like instead of trying to fix the thing just being mm. like I, I know that that's hard for you and it was really activated for her for a long period of time and like all things it changed and it's right now she's in a stage where it's neutralized mm. like it's just like she's like yeah i have two houses mm. a lot of my friends don't have two houses and she comes home now and she says to me like you know the thing that's kind of cool about having two uh. houses dot 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 and i'm like oh, wait it actually works like i didn't try to fix it i didn't try to like shame fix it right? uh. <laughs> and it did eventually just become part of her experience where she's like yeah I'm, I'm seen for this thing and right now for whatever reason it's not causing it's not a big source of her pain great
0: and you know and maybe oh. there it will come up again and it might yeah, yeah that's what I have be like, to be prepared
2: teenager, for yeah. yeah she'll be like oh maybe yeah when she runs away from sprinkle home, sprinkle some hormones oh my <laughs>
0: yeah running away from home and then like running away to your other home might be a really nice okay. way to run away <laughs> you
1: know what's nice about two houses they're only two miles apart yeah. and I can run away yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm, that's concerned if you run away I am like um I'm realizing part of why I haven't talked to luca about it is because i haven't dealt with it you know and i'm just starting to reconcile that in my mind going like when i tell the story back to myself of what happened i'm like holy shit That was really traumatic. And and it was 10 days after that, too, because he was in NICU. Mm -hmm. I haven't told him he was in NICU. Yeah,
0: that's really stressful. I met because we have pictures. I'm sure there's pictures. What do
1: you? Well, there's no pictures really of him. I mean, I do have pictures of him in NICU, but Mm -hmm. there's not really pictures of him until we brought him home. And I'm just thinking about how like that. I mean, it's a huge impact on his life. And I wonder what he's experiencing now because he has anxiety and things like that if it has to do with his birth or it's influenced by his birth and everything. And I, now I'm feeling very inspired to not only work through what my experience and how it's affected me was, but then also what's going on with him and starting to talk with him about it. Like, mm-hmm. I think I need to sit down and have a talk with him, not right away. Cause I got some shit to work out, but yes. soon cause he's getting up there now. Yeah. he's, he's goddamn years old. Have you, um, read
0: the book i have not i have it and i've like peeked through it but uh the body keeps yes coming. yes oh yes, yes. i talk about and it and all I, the I, time like basically yeah, like did book
2: club week. around <laughs> it and i mm-hmm. have to put it down it's I haven't intense. finished it it's yet intense. It is so intense and enlightening. And I find that people who are like, this is the best book ever. I'm like, oh, you didn't have to lose the trouble.
0: <laughs> no, I don't like it. That's why I, like, I open it. I'm like, God,
2: I know I need, I need to read this. I know I need to read it. But I yeah, have taken it's in. It's really good, though. Yeah. And yeah. I think
0: that for me, it's like also remind myself I have to read it. I can. Yes. Get the book. I could open up a page. I could read yeah. a yes. sentence yes. or two. I can read a blog about the book. I don't have to how go permission giving. Yeah, I love
1: mm-hmm. that. Yeah,
2: no, I think that I that do it
1: is. in small chunks for sure. Yeah. Um, but it has really helped me realize that um, that even though it's not a traditional trauma event, that I've had multiple trauma events that I have not reconciled. I've not gone gone through the trauma process of returning home and feeling the safety you know, metaphorically, and that it's it's kept me in this trauma space. And now that I have a little room to breathe with the kids actually going to school, I'm like, what the what the hell? And my I'm just starting I, I started to crumble. And now I'm having to like, mm-hmm. all right, let's do the work. Cause it's not it's not gonna go away. You know, yeah, I'm
0: super curious. Please share with me if you find I'm I'm actually gonna take a note to like I something I need to be curious about as well because my child um, you know, was exposed to drugs in utero and also, like for the first week after being birth, was in a um like a temporary foster home mm-hmm. where they put little you know babies while they're figuring yeah. out what to do. Um, and you know in those cases like the like skin skin contact, all the love that is supposed to be like the most mm-hmm. important thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. What does that mean, you know? And I think um, and I don't know exactly how the birth process went as you know there's no document of that. So, but I but I do want to understand like like if there was trauma during the birth process. Definitely while I was in Euro, there was trauma. And then also the connection thing. What is, for like a body keeps the score kind of mentality, what happens when it's like an infant? Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Because I don't think there's a lot, obviously a lot of studies on it. I mean, we do know nowadays, I mean, that happened with Ruby. Like as soon as she came out of the matter, she's full of blood and gunk and everything else, right on the chest, you know? Yeah. Before, yep. you know, when my mom had kids, they would take the baby right. away, they'd yep. make them all pretty, bring them mm-hmm. back in a yeah. little bundle. <laughs> yes. So, um, and what did that do to us? I don't know. I'm sure we all have a <laughs> list
1: of Ad- issues. attachment issues, perhaps. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I'm really curious on as they do studies around this, like how do we find out like what's the appropriate way? Because I mean, as a child, like sure, we could all talk about child trauma if we've gone through it. And we can say as an adult, like, oh, this happened when I was five or this in 10 yeah. years old, I did this happen. But you can't really speak to that. You just know something's different maybe yeah. inside of you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you and I took a workshop together and I'm really trying to remember the sexologist who was leading this. Maybe it was Lori Mint. Mm-hmm. Or I. Oh, no, that doesn't sound right.
0: And the look on somebody's face. when Yes. Diapers. That yeah. there
2: are. um Things that happen pre memory. So, like a lot of our resources are like mental health resources and so forth, and dealing with trauma I have to do a lot with like talk therapy. There's other somatic healing practices, right. obviously, but the stuff that happens pre memory is pretty hardwired in. So, it's a matter of just kind of ex- like knowing, like, okay, this is a part of my hardwiring. And then figuring out kind of from there, like, is there rewiring opportunities? Are there somatic healing? Is, are there things that, you know, you go on a big run or you get out into nature or whatever the things are for you that help when these things come up, but you can't process that stuff that hits mm. pre-memory in the same way that you can if you have a memory of the event.
1: Because there's no language to that memory. And it's before our, our minds were where your, your memory is activated, yeah, conscious in memory. Brain, it just so in it's body. deep body stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. They said that, um,
0: and that's the thing that stuck with me, I think from that class, which, which was like, you know, there is this, I'm talking about like this, cis hetero world of like men who feel like they can't change the diapers of their daughters, mm-hmm. which I think one of the reasons why I'm not with men anymore, <laughs> 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 that, that. Mm-hmm. like I could not handle that kind of yeah. behavior. But, um, and how, like, if you are kind of like, oh you know making a face that the the child yeah you know absorbs that and that was wild to me because i'm like how many times i mean usually it's with poop and i'm like oh god like are kidding me (laughs) and like when you think about it like i see actually my son have a little bit of shamey is the wrong word but like scared to say out loud he has to go poop and i'm like oh my god did did that come from me Hmm. me being oh god you know shit up the fucking neck I mean, yeah, yeah. my face, yeah, saying that's shit what up saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not what I want to deal with today, mm-hmm. you know,
1: or like you
0: pooped oh. your pants and you're five years old. Like what the fuck's going on with you? Yeah. When what I try to do is I you know, put the smile on my face. I mean, come on, like that's yeah. all is something you can feel like. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I struggle with the like when I'm frustrated with behavior or something that's going on with my child. Of being neutral. I'm not a neutral person. It's hard. Very far from a neutral person. So, you know, I like the best thing I've learned from my training is that you can always um, if you broke the connection, you can always repair the connection. Mm, So like that's actually the most important thing you can do um, because we're all going to fuck up. I mean, it's just impossible to say we're not. So the like breaking the connection could be like me getting really angry that he like pooped his pants. Uh and then later me being like wow i got really angry you know what i could have done was this and i'll try harder next time yeah like an adult never when i was a child apologized to me not one time could you imagine if your parents grew up admitting to things that they have done wrong like what kind of different human beings well, would be? Yeah. It's why. Yeah.
2: Well, enough. and then think about pairing that with like actually then the next time doing it a different way. Right. And now you're building like really deep trust yeah. mm-hmm. with your child. I mean, the same is true. We're all adult children. <laughs> when That's I think it's under- with each other too, but it helps it, them
1: understand yeah. the humanity. Uh, it took me a long, long time, which I think is pretty normal to understand that my parents were just people. Mm -hmm. And that's why you get so angry at them when you're a teenager. You're like, but you should know everything and do everything right. And everything's wrong, you know? Uh, But yeah, admitting to mistakes is like a real human thing, you know? And I think it depends on like, did your, like my mom's whole thing. And she is a really,
0: really wonderful mother. She also can is really strives for perfection. She just had mm-hmm. her seventieth, and it was all about like seventy and perfect. And in my head, I was just like, "This is a
1: literally thing, seventy you know? and perfect."
0: Yeah, still perfect. Or still aiming for perfection. I don't know. Something oh yeah, like yeah. That. Yes. Oh my god. Because she just, just really puts herself on this. Like she will. She does not allow herself to fail. She does not like to. You know, a lot yes. of those things. And for me, I I'm starting to realize. And just actually, this last month, I was like, "Oh damn, no, my mom can't admit when she's wrong." She's, yeah. She can't Ooh. be wrong. Right. Too ego
1: yeah. impacting.
2: Yeah.
0: It's just too hard for her to, to admit. And I don't think that it's because she has an, an ego with somebody else, but I think it would just be too much of a failure inside.
2: Yeah. So I think that yeah. she
0: tries to make a lot of excuses for why things have gone wrong. And a lot of those are valid excuses. Yeah. But it's still like, I don't. You don't have to say the excuse. You can just say, yeah, I could have done that differently.
1: It's such a it boomer. It not to be
0: you did it. You just, it could have done something different.
1: I feel like it really affects boomers strongly, like mm. getting raised by the greatest generation types, you know, mm. where society views were so, like the presentation that you gave going to the grocery store.
2: Mm. It
1: was like you were, you did, you get got done up. Yeah. And like, I remember as a kid, like I had certain clothes I would
0: have to wear, right. certain ways to look and, you know, and. Um, it's something that actually I struggle uh, it's a, it's a conversation with my partner and I, with our child, because my partner is, um, you know, uh, an immigrant from South America, grew up in a very, like a household that, um, her mother is Latina. Her dad was an immigrant white. Um, mm-hmm. so the parents never accepted her, you know, for being dark skinned and there was just certain rules as you hear a lot of folks of color say, like, you know, uh, I think Wanda Sykes makes jokes about it. Like, don't, don't white people are looking don't do that white people are looking. don't do that and my partner will point out when we go to you know playgrounds and stuff look at those white kids look at all those white kids they all look dirty they don't have their shoes on probably have never brushed their hair look at that and she's like look at the brown kids they're all more presentable you know like because that's what we feel and she gets really worked up and i'm like just let him go like that Mm -hmm. who cares she's like he has dark skin you know Mm. like that's something to think about like a disheveled dark-skinned boy mm. is different than a disheveled mm. white-skinned boy yeah and i'm like yeah but i don't want to play into that she it's yeah. reality and i'm like shit where are we at with Oof. this you know yeah but it's something that's interesting to me you know how we um yeah just the whole like upbringing and having the greatest generation and how do we how do we be perfect you know to society and i keep telling myself as i get myself worked up and i get fear-based around yeah. parenting and i'm like my responsibility is not to society feeling good about the way mm. I, or the feeling good about the way my kid is. My my job is to have a relationship with my child and try to raise an awesome human. Yeah. That hopefully, hopefully I want to hang out with when he gets older. Like yeah, yeah. The kind of person I'm like, I want That to come would be to the dinner. dream. Yeah,
2: yeah. Let's still want to hang out with yeah. each other. I am curious in terms of initiating conversations with our kids, having these like really kind of holistic connections with them, I do think research shows that the modeling, the conversations that we have at home are so important. So if you're talking to a parent who really is at like step one in the process, ground zero, whatever, um, what do you think is the first step someone can take? And whether it's like relating to consent or bodily autonomy or the the quote unquote talk about sexuality? Like, where do people start?
0: I think having a toolbox is super important. So like in my toolbox, it is learning to admit when I'm wrong and apologize. Um, it's also, I would say in my toolbox, I have the being curious and trying not to have judgment around things. Um, but if you arm yourself with those tools in like any conversation and anything you attempt to do as a parent, you use the same tools. And of course, tools develop. I'm sure I don't even know what it's like to have a teen. And actually, I'm starting to get fearful about it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, it's going to be like a hot second. And then yeah. I'm going to be dealing with... Here comes our fear. Yeah. Or yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can't... Pre- and I'm like, oh, no. Now that I know I can't prepare myself to have a child when they're young, I definitely can't prepare for teen. Oh, my God. So I freak myself out sometimes. And then I try to read some books on it and whatever. But for me, um, I... And maybe this is just because... I don't know. I like to sometimes do the hardest thing first because then everything else feels easy. (laughs) I would say start with the sex education. Start with the thing that makes you the most uncomfortable because then you can demonstrate those tools that you have for me, you know, being that I apologize me. I could have said that better because if you work yourself out, I think at some point people might get comfortable. If you start the easy stuff, you might be like get to like mid-range hard and you're like, I did it. Mm -hmm. I did it. I'm not going to go for Mm -hmm. the hard. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. No, people think it's like, one and done yeah. right mm-hmm. like yeah. it's done it's like this isn't an ever evolving process and conversation it's but... a
1: lifelong conversation yeah. we're still talking about our sex lives you know yeah. like we don't yeah. get it yeah. we're exploring
2: it it's a constant journey i and mean if I was... you want to be the resource that your kid goes yeah. to rather than say the internet or their other ill informed friends then you have to accept that it's going to evolve the conversation
0: yeah I think another tool, one other tool too. I mean, I think this kind of falls under being curious, but um, anytime you get stuck, is just to ask them questions Good. because I think that we yeah. we feel that we have to teach, yeah. and uh, I think that looking at it more as we are um, collaborating hmm. on life things, because obviously we're growing, and um, so you know, if like the sex conversation comes up, what do you can cons- What do you think sex is? Because uh-huh. then it gives you a baseline. Like, what do I need to go from here? Yeah. If they're like, yeah. I think sex is, you know. I don't know uh hitting my um brother's balls they're okay. gonna be okay we got some conversations that all right Definitely let's let's that. get into it let's it get into it be, it could be a form of that and this is why we don't do it with our siblings yeah, yeah. um yeah. so yeah i think it's you know but I, my fear my biggest fear i think with sex education is that i know almost too much and where does the age appropriateness come into yeah it. yeah
1: that's what i'm wondering yeah and
0: i feel that i'm almost leaning toward being too conservative but i don't think is the answer yes but um yeah, I'm trying to figure that out as well because, you know, it's easy for me to, and I did this with my nieces and my nephews, I think, because I was just like,
1: oh yeah, they should. It's easier with other people's that, yeah. kids. Throw them in the deep end. I'm always yeah. like, hey, yeah. when they're when you're ready, when they're ready, send them to me mm-hmm. so we can go over, especially like the, the, um, the, the pubescent girls that I know right now. I'm like, please come to me so I can tell you yeah. so many things. But it's like with my own kids, I'm like, ooh.
2: But no, that's so. But the asking questions not only gives you the, ba- it addresses your concern, yeah. right? Yeah. About your boys' immaturity and, and like, can they handle it? Mm-hmm. But it gives you that baseline. But it's also like, I feel like this is a principle that we've taught yeah. in like adult uh, retail as well is like, ask lots of questions before you make recommendations and adopt their language mm-hmm. like then you get to get on their level like oh well this is these are my thoughts about it or this is what I've heard about it and then you get to adjust what you're going to share based on like the language that they use the understanding that they have and they lo- yeah I love
0: that and what if they came to you and like we I want to know about sex but what they really want to know about was making out
2: and then also right. you're, like, telling
0: them like about and all the kind of under and they're like, oh God, like why didn't we talk th- to you about yeah. it? I yes. don't know how to put my tongue in somebody's mouth. Yeah. Right. Um, right. They think that's what sex is. Right. Um, that's different. And I think uh, you know, one th- a, a metaphor that has stuck with me is um like thinking about kids or all of us as popcorn, and no matter what, like popcorn's all the same, we we get it from the bag, but for some reason it pops at different time. Right. And sometimes it doesn't pop at all. Yeah. Or sometimes it doesn't pop and it gets kind of burnt, like so where are we at in that phase and not having expectations, I think, around like when popcorn. it's going to pop, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, and also like, yeah, like maybe somebody's really ready, really early, you know, that one popcorn, you're like, oh, is my popcorn going to be ready soon? Because like that one popped, one popped out of the whole bag. Yeah, yeah.
2: I recently discovered a resource called org because they came and they did a body autonomy workshop with the kids at my daughter's school hmm. and like the parent they have accompanying parent resources that go along with it uh and actually my daughter came home from going through this workshop just one night I feel like we have the best talks in the car and in the bath it's just like mm-hmm. when she's powered down mm-hmm. she then brings stuff up and mm-hmm. she was like oh mom. I learned that if I don't want an adult to touch my body that they shouldn't and I decided I don't want the doctor touching me anymore when they when he gives me my exam. And I was like, "Oh. Okay, let's cuz I didn't have an answer to that right away, right? Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, can we figure out how we might be able to work around that? Do you have any ideas?" And she was sort of thinking and then Her thinking gave me time to like digest the information. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, I have an idea. Because your doctor does have to do certain, like check your whole body. Uh, It doesn't make you uncomfortable that they are looking at your bum and looking at your vulva. And she said, no, not really. And I was like, okay, well, we then could do an arrangement where I touch your body in order for the doctor to do the exam. Would that feel okay to you? And she's like, yeah, yeah. But I don't want to be there when you tell him. I was like, okay. Okay, I will call ahead of time before your next appointment. And it was really great. It like gave us time. To sort of work it out together, and like my knee jerk reaction was like, "Well, that can't happen." Yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How can like, like, a donut afterwards. Yes, <laughs> it, was, right. it, was so right. it was a great thing, and I was like, "Oh, where did that come from?" And then I got the information about this organization and looked it up. And so I'm curious if you have any resources that you really like for parents guiding them through this bumpy terrain. <laughs> you no, know,
0: honestly. Um, I have been on a search for what I consider like what will be like the best resource for parenting, um, and I, I would say to say I'm probably on the more beginning stages of my uh, journey, and I have not found a lot of things I love, mm. which bugs me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're gonna make um, them. So that's so why I make them. <laughs> them. But no, um, uh, what I what I do have and what could be available is like scripts for how to talk to kids, how to talk to. You. Where I find I um, struggle is what's your script for talking to other parents or teachers about the act, like Mm. how you, you know, defend what you believe is the rights of your child Mm. or how you, um, you know, these people are also needing sex education, you know, the sex educator. It's like, I'm a, it's a missed opportunity for me to put up my wall and be like, Oh no, you don't get to do this to my child. Instead Mm. of being like, that's interesting why do you think like for instance Mm -hmm. the body part thing why do you think this is abnormal again asking the question then it gives you time to put your your stuff together but But
1: also knowing what their baseline is Um, you know because who knows where they're coming from we all have such like a wildly different sex education
0: yeah i also want to say that i a bit struggle because i think the people i follow around parenting stuff are a little more counterculture that i'm not sure if my like family would subscribe to like for instance i absolutely 100% love uh
2: oh yes i love know, her jet is... setting jasmine and king noir are porn performers mm-hmm. who also do they have kids and they mm. do a whole bunch of parenting yeah
0: workshops and wow. just being like really okay with that that's their you know and that's their life is a very um obviously uh sexual life is very on public display she's also a therapist mm-hmm. um really amazing to follow and I'm like, yes, I love that, and I'm going to take some of this and like digest it for what my family looks like. Because Mm -hmm. as I said before, my partner's Christian. Me going with like, um, you know, that kind of that kind of way of being with the children is probably not something that she feels comfortable, right? Right, right, right. You know, we're in the middle, yeah. And nor do I think I would be, um, you know, maybe as um, sexually open with my children as I think that they seem to be and how they talk about sex. And Mm -hmm. I don't think there's is wrong by any means, but I like trying to follow the people, um, the outliners and and being like, oh, you're way more out there, more advanced, whatever you want to say than I am. But I like that. I'm going to take that yeah. for myself. Mm-hmm. So, as far as with the Christian couple, like, okay, like, I'm definitely not that, but I like this thing that you're yeah. you know, doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take that. And it's all like a buffet of picking and choosing. So I don't know. I think that I haven't gotten into um, parenting podcasts as much because I think that I get really protective of my time. I'm like, Mm-hmm. I'd like to feel like I'm off like time off of parenting sometimes. I don't want like oh, to think yeah. about it. Um, but I do feel like I follow people on social media. I try to, you know, um, I'm in parenting groups. So I get a lot of that in like therapy and parenting groups. Mm-hmm. So I think when I'm out of those
1: groups, I'm like, okay, you know, let's. Yeah. I mean yeah. You're putting in a lot, lot of work.
0: <laughs> you do a lot more work than that. most people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> let's find out okay. about crypto. Yeah. It can be all.
0: It's 100%. Also, my life being in sex, it mm-hmm. becomes a little like.
1: I I don't want
0: to, like, live and breathe constantly. I need some extra things that seem, I don't know, like how to garden. Like, just be a podcast on gardening. seriously. (laughs) When I think about working with parents, I always really want parents to explore their sexuality. So even though this is more about, like, kids and sexuality, I really want to say, like, there is so much work to be done in our own sex lives. And that work will really help your relationship with your child at the end of the day um so you know continuing like you know following companies i work for fun factory uh who have really great blog and information um there's a lot of great sex educators out there follow people and you know listen to what i have to say because you're gonna have to like understand the information because your child at some point might get there and you might mm-hmm. need to discuss it and also for your own nurturing you know i mean so many times as a parent i'm not sure about you all but like my sex life comes probably like last in the daily activities of things i need to do i'm not like often sometimes don't prioritize it in when I consider there's a lot of stress going on. And mm-hmm. since pandemic, I don't know how much the stress has released. Mm-hmm. But like prioritizing your own personal sexuality is definitely a key component, I think, to having a toolbox.
1: Yeah. Because
0: if, you're, if you're having, if you're struggling in your personal sex life and then you're meant to talk to your child about that, mm-hmm. you're going to come with some baggage around that too. Yeah. yeah.
2: Or just not even like you were saying, like dealing with your own trauma. Right. Yeah. Like that is, a, I think, a great place to start.
1: Guys th- I swear this is better than therapy we've been There's been multiple episodes where I feel like a weight is lifted, and I feel really inspired, and I feel like I have a lot of things to do now that i wasn't even wasn't on my radar because it was just like kind of pushed because there are so many day to day things and you're just trying to get them to school and do do your homework and like do yeah. this and take a bath and like all that. And um, there's some really hardcore fundamental issues that we haven't discussed that I'm feeling really good about bringing up now mm. and asking some questions. Yeah, you know,
0: I think we talked about consent. I know we're wrapping it up, and I was one thing I did want to say um, that I am just in the process of moving to this. This like next week, we're gonna sh- I'm gonna shift my conversation around consent because I've done this for years. No means no. No means no. I'm right. sure Sarah's heard me a million times. Hobby. No means no. Yeah. Did you get consent? Like. And it just goes, I think, at one ear and the other. But then I realized I'm not modeling what progressive consent looks like. It's mm. more like yes means yes. And why am I using the no means no? Wow. So I'm like, fuck, I need to switch this, you know? Because yeah. I realized, especially in like masculine, aggressive behavior, that it's harder to stop something after it's happening. Yes. Than to start from the beginning did you get a yes that's what i need to say did
1: you get a yes yes. oh my you're blowing my mind uh,
0: california has gone i think this last year to a yes yes means yes uh, Yes. uh, as a baseline for um i think like also like things of that nature like consent is this this is what consent means in our state so i was like i need to change it and i think you know i haven't done it yet so we will see how it goes but if i tell him before it starts then I think that he might have a different process with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think you mentioned, Robin, that you're still at a very like um uh beginning stages
1: around mm-hmm. this with the kids. And I feel like I've been stuck in the same
0: no means no for years. <laughs> no, I've
1: been doing it, I feel like it's been a lot of like bodily autonomy and yeah. consent yeah. issues. And we haven't gotten past that for, for years yeah. as well. And i I need to that's so wise. Yes means yes. Yeah. I think that did I you get a yes up, right? And you're like,
0: okay. Yes.
1: Oh. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot to do now guys I'm feeling good about (laughs) it thank you so much Kristen this was wonderful and And it was so nice to have a conversation again like what a nice flow and I really felt like great things happened here today I love it thank you I appreciate it and I really enjoyed
0: coming here too it's nice to do this instead of being you know emailing about some dildos or something (laughs) (laughs) stupid old
2: dildos who cares I feel like we, as many of these conversations have gone, that got deeper into a lot of our personal stuff than I was expecting. And I feel like I kept seeing light bulbs go off for you, Robin. Yes. And I want you to have a chance to speak to that. I mean, it was,
1: I I should have given... Kristen, two hundred dollars because it felt like a real <laughs> therapy for yeah. me. Where I had a number of revelations. Um, probably the most profound being that this the idea that your birth story it isn't always for everyone going to be a, a positive experience mm-hmm. and, you know, talking about that book, that's so inclusive, but mm-hmm. you know, some people aren't born out of love or some people are born through trauma. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for my first birth story, it was very, very traumatic for everyone involved. And I, and that I haven't talked to him about it. Now I'm, I'm realizing how that does take certain people's stories and just push it aside mm-hmm. as not being a valid thing or in really getting into shadow self territory right and I don't want to have any more shadow parts and so I really think that first off I need to really or
2: maybe just not dealing with the shadow parts Exactly. because I don't think that there's any way that we can erase our shadow you know
1: if part of you's in the light, part of you's creating. Yeah, a yeah, shadow, yeah, of course, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. So I, yeah, that's true. I, the shadow needs to be cultivated as well. I guess it's yeah. like it needs to have its own space to be, and I don't want to ignore the things, even if I wished it hadn't happened that way. Yeah. Um. So I think I need to really maybe sit down and define the story from my perspective of what happened. And then be able to relate that to him at some point.
2: And probably work through a little bit of, uh, you know, the trauma that you experience as well. I don't know the extent to which you have gone through that. Because to hold space for his traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. um, you might have to grapple with that that was a traumatic experience for your body, your spirit, yeah. all of that.
1: And maybe that's a way of really approaching it is like, did you know many years ago we went through something really brutal? Yeah. You and I Aww. did. We did it! I'm gonna cry. I we am. Really that happened to both of us. Yeah,
2: and you made it through. Yeah,
1: and here we are. And he's such a wonderful, beautiful being. And I just can't believe he's eight. Hmm. You know, going on twenty. And yeah. I just, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That is a thing that you shared. And... I just had another therapeutic. I'm gonna give you two hundred dollars here. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's like yeah, that's it's something that happened to us and we should talk about it because I think it does affect him even though he does not remember it. Yeah. And it might help him understand, you know, he was uh, recently diagnosed with um, generalized anxiety disorder. And part of me really thinks like, well, I wonder had it gone smoothly if he would have that. It is something that's in our family. But when you're first experience coming into the world after feeling complete safety and warmth and darkness right is hours and hours and hours of just pain and trauma and then you don't even get held afterwards you get rushed off and you're poked with needles and tubes and you're in a little incubator
2: Yeah, you know and then imagine too that there might be some people listening like wait a minute That was my experience too. And that's the thing that I think happens sometimes when you hold space for your kids. Yeah. Experiences, it does open up this well of like, oh, wait a minute. I was a little person
1: once too. Yeah.
2: And this thing was hard. And wow, what would it have been like to have my parent acknowledge that and hold space for, or just even just share the knowledge. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it could be really powerful. And also it might be, Similar to what I experienced with Ruby when we shared, like I had all this meaning around her having a donor mm-hmm. that just didn't—that wasn't her meaning. Yeah, and I was so prepared for the one conversation, and then it wasn't the conversation yeah. that we had. And so it might be an evolving conversation. That's an important point. I need that to you be guys have.
1: Yeah, I need to be open to how he reacts to that. Yeah, how he takes that information. Yeah, you know. Oh. <laughs> That's a lot. It's so deep. deep. It's deep, core stuff. stuff.
2: It is a lot. And I think that this is the thing about having kids in your life that I just never understood or was not prepared for is that it just brings up all of your own stuff. You cannot hide from it. No, it's really um. Oh, it can be a lot and also there's a lot of growth yes that comes from that too and um i you know i'm I'm happy that luca has you thank you yeah i mean mars too of course yeah he's just chugging along you know mars really is (laughs) is your youngest is like classic youngest (laughs) child like I'm so happy. He's like, I'm the diplomat of the family. Yeah. I am the greeter at the door. Yeah. He's like, can I get you anything?
1: Yeah. Um, so on, let's go on a lighter note. Yeah, sure. Something that I've noticed and been fascinated by is how, when we ask the question, what was your first mode of masturbation? The majority of our, um, uh, our interviewees, whatever they're called, yeah. um, is uh, have said that it started very early in childhood. And I'm actually wanting to like reanalyze my childhood because I always thought of myself as not masturbating until I was like solid teens. Uh-uh. But I'm thinking everybody's talked about these kinds of almost non-masturbating, not overt masturbating, but I was rubbing up on this doll head, for uh-huh. example, Sarah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And <laughs> Or whatever. And so I'm wondering it with our kids or at that age that most of the people that we've had on have said they started doing a certain things. And I'm wondering And if that you've...
2: they're naming it as masturbation, yes. even though it might have been something that wasn't particularly visible mm-hmm. to their caregivers. like no, Like the adults in their lives might have not had any inkling mm-hmm. that these kinds of things were happening at seven- Eight. I mean, yeah. I think someone even said five. Yeah. So yeah, it's it is really interesting that they have these worlds. I have a friend who had uh, who has a daughter, and I think that like she was probably seven or eight when she said to her like, "Hey, did you know that it feels really good when you touch?" I don't remember the term that they uh-huh. use for. I don't. She might have been vulva, but it was like she was sharing it with her mom as if like. Let me give you this tip. I figured and something I out. I just think that that is so sweet and yes. non-sexual, right? To and to want to share the information. Yes, with her. You know, that's like, all
1: over her school. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my god! You know, I think that we get so afraid of our kids' sexuality as if it's going to come too soon or it's going to cause them harm. And um, you know, if we can create this space where, like, my gosh, where your kid can come to you and say. Do you know that this thing feels really yes. good? Like that's oh, the sweet yeah. spot, right? I want there. to provide that space. Yeah. And yeah, I wonder why. I think
1: I, I guess it gets so wrapped up with pedophilia right. that kids yes. just shouldn't have any sort of sexual expression or interaction with their bodies until they're of age. Yeah, and it's just not how it works. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. So it, I will say one more thing that Mars does. Okay, that I used to do mm-hmm. is um, when the pool filter is going. It there's in the shallow end a jet that shoots oh, oh, yes. the water back oh, the out, jets. and he will just giggle he and just be like, Mom, have you seen this? There. It feels, yeah, he'll oh, hang that's out great. and he thinks it's hilarious and super fun. And that I think was probably my very first orgasm was in the pool on one of those things. Like, I remember specifically. Everybody was like doing a pool thing at, a, at somebody else's house, a family friend's house. And then all of everybody moved into the jacuzzi, which was a little ways away from the pool. And they had turned on the filter and they're like, Robin, come in the jacuzzi. And I was like, I'm good. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to just hang and, out on this jet. And I was like, I'm just hanging out in the pool, like at this one spot. And I'm just going to sit here, for, you know, for a while. And I thought at the time, they have no idea what I'm doing. Uh And now Uh as an adult, I'm like, oh, my God. They're like, my child is over there masturbating right right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, kids. Kids. We've done it all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this was enlightening, to say the least. Yeah. I feel like a better
1: more grown ass person yeah (laughs) having done it i grew within the podcast oh Oh my
2: gosh Mm -hmm. for everyone to hear Mm -hmm. laying it all out well send us your questions your fuck yes your hilarious stories about your kids or your you know early masturbation Mm -hmm. stories are welcome as
1: well anybody got some more therapy to throw my way (laughs) i'll venmo you not really but please, I am here for all of the emotional growth I can get. Fuck yeah.
2: Knocking them out the the park. Fuck Yeah Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Sarah Tom Cheson, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is produced and performed by She, Her Sir. You can find out more about what we're up to at fuckyapod.com or reach out directly at fyapod at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the pod, give us a hand, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen. And make sure to share it with a few friends. Thanks so much for tuning in.